Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a counseling psychologist, certified family educator, and practicing family relational health therapist. He has been serving Jamaica and a broad section of the world community in several capacities since he began his professional work in 1971. Dr. Anthony L. Gordon, welcome to the Upward Way. Thank you. It's good to be up with you on the way. (laughs) Amen. And I must say thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to share Mm -hmm. with us your journey. Praise the Lord. God has given me the privilege to be on a journey. And if by sharing it, it will help someone else, so be it. Yes, looking forward. Uh, My first question will be this one. Could you share with our audience a little about your faith journey? Oh, well, (laughs) well, first of all, I always like to refer to my birthday in the Lord. And that is uh, April 16, 1972. That Sunday morning, I remember being baptized. I remember every scene of it. I remember every experience. And it has that experience has kept me along the way. I grew up uh, with my adopted mother, and um, she ensured that I attended church. And interestingly, I loved it. I attended then the church that was in my community, and uh, that was, the, interestingly, the Seventh-day Church of God. And they were, that's where I grew up. And, you know, all along the way, I have been impressed that serving the Lord was the right thing. I must give God thanks. I stayed the course. Well, let me rephrase that. God kept me on course. The Holy Spirit constrained me because I do not consider myself to be better than any other youngster. But because it is a pair that I was diligent to the word that I studied, and the Holy Spirit kept me online and on the upward way. How about that? <laughs> so I grew up like that, and I've always been on the course with serving the Lord. I enjoyed studying the Bible. I, I, I remember um, studying Bible verses. So much. One of the first Bible verse I remember that stuck to me was Philippians chapter four, verse 16. But my God shall supply all your needs by his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that came home to me because of my background. Now, maybe I should mention that so you can connect with it. As I did suggest at the, mentioned at the beginning, I was grown by my adopted mother. Now, here's the truth. As I speak with you, I do not know my biological mother. And I met my father when I was an adult. But I was grown by this dear lady. And she was a God-fearing lady. Uh, She was not a a, a devout Christian, but she was God-fearing. In fact, I must fast forward to say that after these many, many years of my becoming a Seventh-day Adventist, she went up being baptized in one of my crusades. So you can understand. So it has been a journey that God has kept me on. And from that text there, Philippians 4, verse 16, my God shall supply all your needs in that. Let me say this to you. There's a word that, a description for youngsters who do not have parents and support. Word is orphan. Well, that's it. I grew up as an orphan. I did not attend a high school I, after I finished uh, what was then all-age school, 
I, mom had nothing to do to help me to go any further. So she and I used to work in the field, planting sugarcane, planting bananas, breaking stone to sell to the, to the government to make roads. So it was a rough life, but God kept me. And with her, I stayed the course. So that's how I became a Christian. And then after I began to link up some friends in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I met this, this very fatherly pastor, Pastor Charles Clough. And for the first time, I felt the touch of a father. So I already had the touch of a mother in mom. And then this spiritual father came along and we fell in love. That's right. We fell in love. And I just found solace under his fatherly wings. And the long and short of it, I remember I attended the, the, the church service at the St. Nevin's Church. And he, he conducted this crusade and I was baptized. And that's the essence of how I became a Christian. So I was officially baptized April 16, 1972. And I remember my baptismal birthday every time. And I'm happy about it. Quite a journey, quite a journey. 48 years walk with the Lord. And yes. uh, I know my audience can't see it, but I, I assume they will hear the exuberance in your voice, but I can see <laughs> the, the joy on your face as you speak about that experience. We know that people invest quite a lot of time developing their bodies, pursuing career, doing all of that. But oftentimes they neglect that spiritual dimension. Yes. How do you actively pursue spiritual growth? My spiritual growth was based on primarily my natural falling in love with the Bible, the word of God. In the, I grew up in what I would call a pristine time. I did not have, unfortunately, let me say it this way, I did not have anything to distract me and to hold me. And so the Bible was just an interesting book, you know, and I went to church. I was very active. I've always been active in church. Once I get there, and I used to study my, um, my memory verses, and yes, I love to recite my memory verses as a child. And then, of course, I was affirmed. Now, of course, I didn't know the word affirmed then. I didn't know that many people. Oh, that was nice. I didn't know it meant affirmation. I learned that as I practiced into psychology. But um, I kept that. And I found that being active sharing the word, liking it and telling others about it, it makes me stay on course. So for me, there was no issue about it being boring. It was just natural and I enjoyed it. But as I matured, I, I must let the picture be clear, like all others, you have struggle and challenges in staying the course because every now and then, your faith will take a knock. And I can, if you ask me that later, and I can tell you, I have my moments when my faith took its dip. <laughs> and, but thank God I stayed the course. But one thing I can tell you, let me fast forward a little. One of that which has kept me on course, let's say the most recent years, is Jesus's prayer life. I never met what I'm going to share with you and my audience, I never met this in my early years. And that is Jesus's prayer life. I met it early, but as a passing matter. But when I, about maybe about last, last 10 years or so, I understood the fullness, not the Lord's prayer now, but the Lord's prayer life. As I understood Jesus's prayer life, the thing that arrested me, I said arrest, was that Jesus got up early in the morning and the Bible says before, and, I, and I'm going to contemporize it, before he spoke with anyone, he, he went out by himself 
and prayed to the Father. And it arrested my attention. I said, but wait a minute. If this was Jesus' daily prayer life, routine as we could call it, and if he indeed was truly God, and he as the son of God, the human side of him, felt the need to have this daily connection with his father, then why am I not doing this? And that was a surge in my spiritual experience. And as a result of that, I have actually written a guideline following Jesus' prayer life. So that's how I kept on course. Next, I like to witness, like to share. So I tell people about it. You know something? I enjoy it, so I tell it. Tremendous, tremendous. Meeting Jesus' prayer life, or we could say his model, his blueprint, and putting in practice has really been the defining moment. This has been what has really guided you. Now, to jump a bit into your, your professional life, uh, at the start, I told the, the listeners that you serve as a counseling psychologist, certified family educator, and practicing family relational health therapist. When I look at your, your background and I look at your letterhead, I see Family Relational Health Services International. So what exactly <laughs> do you do? Because I, I can't tell your story for you. Of course. Well, I think my story is one of those that in my mind is phenomenal. It's mysterious. And there's a reason for that. As I said, I did not, I wasn't born in the traditional family setting. So I don't know what it is like to grow up with family and all these nice things that I teach now. Fortunately, mom in her simple way, did what she did, and God be praised. God has amplified, yes, the, the motherliness and the familiness that she knew and passed on to me. God amplified it in my mind and pulled me along. But I need to share a story with you. Mom told me that when my mother that is my biological mother, left me wherever, and she got me. I should tell you, though, that my mom now, when I, whenever I say mom, I'm talking about my mother. Yes. She and my grandfather were in a relationship, but they were not married. So there was not an established relationship per se. Then he died. And so she was left with this little baby, which is from, are you getting the picture? And now she told me that person said to her, listen to me, give him up to the government because he doesn't belong to you and you're alone in this world and you better go back to your part of the country where you're from and let government take him. And she said, no, I'm not going to give him up. She's telling me the story. And then she told me this now. She had to do a surgery. Now I'm talking about in the 50s. Okay. She had to do a surgery. And she's told me that one of the time when she had the surgery, the stitches broke and she, she seemed to be dying, she told me. And she said, I'm going to tell you exactly what she said. She said she remembered this tall white man telling it. And he said to her, I am not ready for you yet. I have a purpose for you. And until mom died 1997, when she was 92 years old, she died at my home. Until she died, she was convinced all along the way, that I was who God had in mind. So that again, give you a little background. Now, um, I remember this. Many years into her life, she got a domestic helper's work with a rich family outside of the district. And that time I was now out of school. I should explain to you that I finished school officially at about four, 
14, 15 in those days. And the principal gave me my marching orders. I call it my graduation address. It was in four words. He said to my mother, his age is up, meaning that's it. There's nothing else for him to get. And as a result of that, she and I were working in property, as I told her before, doing these odd jobs. But then she got this domestic helper's work in this rich family home. And in about one year after, she brought me a book. Now, remember, I'm out of school for the last three, four years. I don't know what it is to be in, in anything again. I'm in the bushes working, rearing animals. But at this house, way up in the attic, she found a book and she brought it to me. Now, let me tell you what the book was. The book was Chambers Etymological Dictionary. And I was, I was voracious. <laughs> book. And somehow, like the apostle, I began to eat the little book. Well, it's a big book, a dictionary. Believe it or not, I actually thought I read the dictionary. <laughs> but one word that I met in the dictionary struck me. The word was psychology. I'm telling you exactly how my journey to become a psychologist, how it came about. Amazing, amazing. So there was this word, psychology. Now, I read through, and I was all fascinated, but I didn't, it just stayed there. Three years later, mom heard of a trade training center. She sent me, she bought a bicycle. Woo, yes, she bought a bicycle. And I had to ride 25 miles per day to go to this trade training center. And there I learned to be, I was taught to be a mason. So I'm a builder. I, I work at my house. I did a lot of my, in my house. While I was at that trade training center, there was an, an, a, a teacher, Mr. Veach, who he was a retired teacher. And he was employed to teach us boys a little English and a little math as part of the trade training. But along the way, I began to shine. I know he's this. So this is the second man in my life. There was Pastor Clough. I know there is Mr. Veach. And he and I, he just fell in love with me and he took me under his wings. And here's the fast forward of it. He began to teach me more than normally I was to have been taught. And he sent me to do the first government examination. And I can't explain it. But the first time I went to do my examination, I got nine credits. The long and short of it, next thing after that, I'm cutting the story, he got me a teaching job. So I was now a trained mason, and I also was now a pre-trained teacher. Fast forward, I got into junior college. Fast forward, I continued working. I got into senior college. Next, I got years later, I got into university. And at the end of the story, I became principal for three schools. I was a university department director. And when I went to university, I studied at Andrews University. I studied family relationship. Ah, there we go now. And then I began to write. The word psychology was now fulfilling now. I said, ah, there's the connection. And we said the rest of the story is history. But God, I believe, brought me along the way. So for the last 35 or so years, I have been working in the field of family life. But I developed my private practice. My wife and I, I'm not going for the five years now. My wife and I developed family relational health services. And then God worked another miracle way beyond our imagination. When we get there, I could tell you how that one happened. But that's the background to it. I've written several books in the area of family life, 
We have been doing it around the world, but that's the essence of the story. Quite a journey. You, you, you sounded like Paul on his missionary journey. And you also sounded like Joseph moving from <laughs> Jerusalem into Egypt and all of that. There's something you mentioned first, and, and I, and I yes. want just to get a perspective. You spoke about riding 25 miles to yes. learn your trade. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to convert that into kilometers, but how long <laughs> did you have to ride each day? I'd have to leave home at about, let's say, 6 a.m., and maybe for the next three hours, somewhere thereabout, riding slow, riding at full speed and all of that. So it was a whole day's experience. I got to the training center. And by the way, this was like for two years, I got a training center. And after that, I took the journey again. So sometimes I get back home late in the nights. I remember... I remember riding through some lonely places and hear some sounds that frightened me. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, God has kept me and I survived it all. But it was, it was that kind of a journey. But I, st- well, God helped me to stay the course. Yes, God helping you to stay the course. And a scripture that comes to mind is from Paul. I believe it's Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I personally mm-hmm. are the mark of the <laughs> in Jesus. I mean, you're a natural athlete, <laughs> riding <laughs> those long distances. And you mentioned the, the lonely sojourn. Like yes. Though I walk through the valley of, the oh, yeah. of death. That is important, persevering. Now, with all of that, I mean, I don't even have to ask you the different questions, but... I'm sure you'd have had lots of struggles mm. throughout your life. So could you just let me into a little bit of your seat? <laughs> how do you maybe, how do you deal with challenges? You know, what is your strategy for overcoming difficulties? Okay. Well, let me take you back to one of the major, one of the first major struggle that I remember and how, how it was dealt with. Um, so I told you now, I left school or I was uh, dismissed from school. I was out school in those, that's about 14, 15. And for the rest of it, mom and I were working on properties. It was odd jobs, very challenging. Uh, but, but here's one of the struggles that I would like to mention is that I remember one day, she and I were on this property and they were building a road and we had to be, rolling out the huge rocks to, for what they call balancing the road to setting the foundation. And I was supposed to be pushing the wheelbarrow with some of these stones. And while I was at work, I was tired. And I remember pausing and I sat on the handle of the wheelbarrow. Marlon, I remember when the the supervisor came up and he saw me, he blasted me. He gave me such a cursing and he called me lazy and he, yeah, and and I really was crushed, very crushed. But how did I survive that? Mom, after he was gone, she said to me, and she called me by my by the name that she called me privately said, and said, and this is our word, don't worry you're here. One day, God is going to take you out of this. And as she said it, it happened. May I just tell you this, that decades later, I was privileged to drive my car with my wife and two children at Guess who was in it? Mom. I was privileged to drive her past that very place. And I said, Mom, do you remember up there? And I told her. So that was one of the, the stories, the struggles that I remember very dominantly. But in life, uh, my dear wife and I, we tried private practice sometimes, business. And I remember our business went under but if you think that was all, one Sunday, when we were at to fold up the business to leave the office, 
guess what happened? It was raining and the car overturned with me and our son in it. It overturned, and by overturn, I mean on the roof. And persons who saw, of course, in the community run by, and they had to use axaw to cut places and to get us out of it. And so we lost the business, we lost the car, and I must tell you, my faith took a dip. I did not go to church for several weeks. I questioned God. But you know, let me tell you something. Having a good family is a therapy in itself. Because my wife, she stayed the course. And I remember her saying to me, no, dear, you cannot give up like this. And the long and short of of course, my children, my, they were young children and they saw daddy struggling. But at the end of the day, I was brought back on course. I have had other intense struggling, both studying with studying, financial struggle. Oh, yes. Ask me about that. One thing I must tell you, thanks be to God, my family has been my succoring point. And that's why I know that from way in the decades before, God had, had his hand on me. I feel being called. And so he, he permitted me to go through all these intense struggles. I must tell you fast forward another one. My struggles have been continuous. My first grandchild, this might be a story that is shocking to you. By the time he was about 12 years old, he had already gone through 22 surgeries. That was a very disturbing Painful experience for us as a family. That's my son's first child. And when I talk about these 22 surgeries, one of those surgeries was a cranial expansion, which means the world-famous Ben Carson in Maryland had to actually take off my grandson's skull completely. Johns Hopkins Hospital for Children, you might have heard that. And so I could tell you that these personal and family and institutional experience have been struggling. This, there have been times when I ask God, where are you? Why don't you shine through? But you know, as I mature over the years, I've learned to understand that God's providence operates within his time. And I remember when I wanted to establish my private ministry. Oh, that's another story. I, I wrote so many places. Marlon, I did not get back a response and my faith. I said, but Lord, I need now that I'm going to be retiring. I need to establish a practice that I can boost myself with, but I've made so many efforts. It hasn't come through. What's this? What have I done? What have I not done? But again, my prayer life and my dear wife's prayer life. And let me tell you, fast forward again. After going through all those shocking disappointments, can I tell you something? I remember one person told me something very, very serious. He said to me, God is not going to answer your prayers. I said, because he didn't like Something I said, he told me God is going to answer my prayers. Another one told me, you know your problem? You think too big. And I said, what is this? So, you know, <laughs> so all these, these dents, D-E-N-T-S, these blows on my faith could have thrown me off. But I want to tell you this. Since the last six years, God has... Now, I'm saying this very simple, very, because I want my listeners, if there's anything, I'm going to use three words. And I love all my listeners to hold on to these three words. God honors sincerity. And that is what I believe as I count it, because the truth is, everything I did, I don't consider myself to be a saint, because every day I have to pray, Lord, forgive me for my sins. But 
I believe that God honors sincerity. So for the last six years, we, my wife and I, we established Family Relational Health Service International. We did not know that after all these intense struggles and these dents, we couldn't believe that to date, our ministry touches about 40 countries. We have been extensively through Europe. We have conducted seminars and sessions all over. We have gone into the Middle East. We have gone into Kenya. We have gone across America, into the Caribbean, Canada. And our ministry, thank God, we are experiencing the Jabez prayer. And who knows, by virtue of this... <laughs> The Lord might be seeing it to expand the territory. But you know something, Marilyn and my listeners? God honors sincerity. And humility is a key aspect. Jesus' life. Look, come on, let's talk. Jesus is the epitome of simplicity, humility. But he is the most renowned character of the ages. Now, I, I come nowhere infinitesimally near Jesus. Suffice to say, and I know that there are many persons in my audience who can testify that by allowing the Holy Spirit to keep your mind constrained, and when you sin, hello, please, remember I just told you, every day I pray, Lord, forgive me, because I'm conscious that I'm yet growing, but God has a way to honor sincerity. G-H-S, God honors sincerity. That is something that I won't forget, and I'm sure our listeners will not forget. You wear many hats. You wear many hats. You, you're a writer. You're a father. You're a counselor. You're a psychologist. You're a radio broadcaster. So many hats. It means that you're possibilities are endless. Why family ministry? Why, why psychology? Yes. Why this one? Um, family. That's the operative word. Family. God has blessed me, Anthony Gordon, with a jewel of a wife, Dolores. And then it tripped in Psalm 127 verse 3, where he said, you know, children are a heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of his womb is his reward. He must have laid his hand on me. That's how I feel it. And so he gave the Lord and me two jewels. So I found in the Lord, I, I always refer to it that when I went to Mount James, St. Andrew, I struck gold when I met her. And then... Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yes. And then after that, he permitted us to... Jewels, our son, Delphine. So I am Anthony. My wife is Dolores. And our son is Delphine. And our daughter is Delphinette. And they, thanks be to God, they have stayed the course too. The Lord kept them on track. My son is a pastor, a seventh pastor in Ohio, United States. He has his wife and two children. I always refer to, I don't refer to them as his children. I refer to them as my grandchildren. So I make sure I clearly ownership and then, and then Delson, she's a senior teacher here in Jamaica. She's married to one. She and her husband has a son. And so they just have three grandchildren. So the question, why family? In as much as I did not grow up knowing family, as I understand it now, but because of my, the best thing that happened to me in life after accepting the Lord is my family, because they are the ones who validate me. So all my studies at university and writing books and becoming chaplain and all of this, it is anchored in the fact that I have this lab. Yeah. I have this lab that I practice in, and the specimens in the lab are my family members. I practice on them. And you know something? They practice on me. So it's a big lab work. And so we team 
together. For example, when I'm out there conducting family life crusades, as we do a lot in my, when I was director of family ministries in the Central Jamaica Conference, I, I conducted so many crusades and my family was always a part of it. My wife was a praying evangelist. My daughter was a singing evangelist. And when my son is around, he joins in. My son-in-law was a technical evangelist. Everybody identifies with it. So family is a part of me. Now, why do I stick with it this much? Because I believe that the answer to the world's dilemma is to go back to God's original family blueprint. We are in a changing world, but God is constant. He does not change. He said, as day and night, winter and summer, and the seasons, he said, to the same extent that they do not change, and he's the one who made them, he doesn't change. So his original blueprint for his people remains the same. And I believe God has given Dolores and me and my family at large the privilege, the awesome privilege to proclaim it. First of all, coming out of our lab experience. You know, I, I like the lab. All right. Um, Pfizer has gone into their lab to create a vaccine. <laughs> yes, a lab. But remember, before they could come out and declare to the world, they had to do tests, correct? And uh, Pfizer, uh, AstraZeneca, or whichever one of them, a lab. Family is a lab. We practice in it. And once we prove that what we have practiced in it is true and it works, hello? We come out to the world and say, world, this is the answer. <laughs> so that's the privilege that I have. So family relational health. Now, this is a brand new brand. I love that, Lord. Thank you. A brand new brand of family life. This is not anywhere in the world. Family relational health. The essence behind it is this, that Based on what David said in Psalm 139.14, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That means David was focusing on the physiological makeup of his B-E-I-N-G. But he went further to say, marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well, now, when we dichotomize and, and uh, pull the text apart, David actually alluded to the two aspects of his being, his physiological being, which is his body, and his psychological being, which is his mind. Now, God wants those two to be balanced. In mainstream society, when we speak of health, we tend to focus only on our physiological health. Even when we talk about mental health, it is still an imbalanced perspective that we talk about. Because one critical reason that mental health has deteriorated so bad in our society is the absence of relational health. So my practice, I run a parallel between medical care and psychological care, and the Lord has blessed me to put them together so we have family relational health. So whereas, for example, let me give you a connection. Whereas um, in medical care, when you go to triage, the medical facility, the clinic or the hospital, the nurse checks your four vital signs, especially now in COVID-19, your respiratory rate, your, your heart rate, your blood pressure, and your pulse. And those four vital signs give the medical doctor a cue as to how your physiology is performing. Now, as a psychologist, as a relational therapist, God has blessed me in my lab to develop four vital signs that run parallel with the physiological vital signs that when a client comes into my practice, whether online, because I have a lot of online practice now, 
or they come into my physical office when I used to operate main offices. There are four vital signs that I check to see, to give me a cue as to the, real, the state of the relational health of the relationship. The connection, that's vital sign number one. And I have developed, God has blessed me to develop the various uh, instruments, uh, psychological instruments to test these. Vital sign number one is connection. Vital sign number two is rapport, how we communicate with each other. Vital sign number three is bond. That's the, that's the affective domain. The first two is the cognitive domain, yes? And then the, the fourth vital sign is support, how much we're there for each other. So the long and short of it, I'm saying to you, my practice has evolved over the years. And Marlon, my listeners, let me go in slow motion and say this to you. All this lab and all this evolving that I'm talking about, it all remains a mystery to this day to me. I don't understand how I come by them. How I come to have this huge international ministry traveling various parts of the world, it still remains a mystery to the Lord and me. So it keeps us humble and say, well, how did this happen? When did this evolve? Say, God did it. That's not a cliche. It's a conviction. God led the way. And so that accounts for this, as you refer to it, many hats. I have served as a chaplain of the police force here in Jamaica, an associate chaplain. Um, the television, one of the main television stations in Jamaica, they referred to me as a television counselor. 2018, I was in England when I presented family relational health one uh, magazine writer approached me and said they are publishing a magazine to commemorate the wedding, the royal wedding of uh, Meghan Merkel and um, Prince, yes, those two. And, and they asked me, would you write an article for this magazine? Well, I said, oh, let me try. I wrote the article on family relationship. And guess what? The magazine ended up in the palace. So they actually sent a copy of it to the royal couple. So that's God. Amazing. Amazing. That's the one word I, I would choose. Amazing. You mentioned um, the different struggles that you have faced. And, you know, so many persons have started on a journey with Christ. And for whatever reason, they may not be able to finish the course. From your experience, what is one of those contributing factors that would cause persons just to give up? on their journey with Jesus? Why some persons give up on the journey? Let me say, first of all, out of my own experience, there are times, as I've mentioned before, when you will reach some bumps, some ditches, when the devil will hurl hard knocks at you. And the Lord does not promise us immunity from these experiences. As an evangelist, I always say to persons as I preach and present the word, don't expect that by becoming a Christian, ah, well, it will be rocking into heaven. No, it's not going to be a rocking chair experience. It's going to be challenging. Your, your faith is going to be tested. Now, unfortunately, some persons do not have the support system. That's a major one. In fact, let me say this to you. One of the offices I served in at the conference was that of membership conservation. So I've served in the conference for the last 20 years before I retired. I served in very many capacities, communication director and many others. But the one I want to zoom in on now in light of your question is the matter of membership conservation. I was in charge of new members for a large conference. And as I did my research, the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventist some years ago did a research on members' retention, and they found a very sad story. Listen to the stats. The Seventh-day Adventist church, it was said, baptizes somewhere over each quinquennium roughly about 5 million new members, yeah? But over that same period, it loses between 30 and 40% of its membership. That is staggering. And so they analyzed the report 
and found that a part, one of the reasons for attrition in the church is not people not embracing the doctrines. No, not at all. Here's the reason. They leave the fellowship because of the lack of fellowship. <laughs> in other words, relationship. Look, let me tell you, let me remind me, you, Marlene, and my listener. Jesus does not expect us firstly to emphasize doctrines over relationship. Our first call is to be in a relationship with Christ and with each other. And as the relationship is stabilized by the impression of the Holy Spirit on the mind, then the teachings will anchor us. I use the word stabilize and anchor. Members leave the church because they have lost connection. Did I say connection? That's the first vital sign of healthy relationship. So when you see members begin to drift out of the church, there are many factors. But one of them is that people lose their connection with the Lord because they lose their connection with each other. Now, Sometimes it's not like I'm talking about which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Connection with fellow human being or connection with Christ. There is a simultaneous synergy between those two connections. Yes? Jesus said, Peter, you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. And then <laughs> for the purpose of repetition and for stabilizing it, he, as it were, angered Peter. Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, come on, Lord. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feeding the sheep does not begin with telling them about the 28 fundamental beliefs. Or from Genesis to Revelation, it means develop a relationship. So why people stray off the course? Number one, lack of relationship. Number two, I have no, uh, listen, Marlon, the world is attractive. The pleasures of the world is attractive. The gains, look, let me share something with you. <laughs> I was a member of the private sector organization of Jamaica. I was in business. Yes, I was in, I was at one time the public relations officer for the Chamber of Commerce. Do you understand that? I was in business, but somehow I realized by running with that group, my faith could be compromised. I'm not saying they're all wicked people, but for me to maintain my observance of God's holy Sabbath, to stay the course, I had to give up some things. Praise the Lord. I keep repeating, I'm not a saint, but because I stayed on my knees, so let me tell you another one. I'm saying to anybody who's struggling, practice Jesus's prayer life. Get up early in the morning. Don't turn on the lights if you can. If you have to turn it on, turn them on very dim if you can. Devote a special time, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. And remember, when you meet, you know, you don't have to say thee and thy and thou. The Lord said, talk to me as you talk to a friend. And, and listen, you have ever heard how David talked with the Lord? <laughs> David said, Lord, is what this? Lord, why are you like this? But Lord, I don't understand you. In other words, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. I have learned that by this, I can stay the course. Another thing, tell others. There's nothing like sharing. Share, tell You know something? God has worked through for me. I've seen so many little instances. Oh, that's important. Let me, let me do it in slow motion. Little evidences. Don't wait for the big thing to happen. Just by virtue of the fact that you're alive and breathing God's breath. Hey, listen, Marlon, every night I go on the bed. I can tell you something about the recent time I've been practicing now. When I get off my knee and I go on the bed, I said, Lord, I came up on the bed on my own volition. Nobody had to lift up my feet. Nobody to say, all right, take time going. I did it on my own. Wait a minute. And when I got up in the morning, 
I'm able to get off the bed by myself again. I said, whoa, Lord. New every morning is thy love, my waking and uprising proof. Look for the little things in life and God will amplify the little things and make your faith grow and grow. Why people stay off the course, get off the course? Lack of connection. Connection with the Lord, connection with each other. Lack of testimony. Lack of cherishing the little things that God has sent your way. Work on those. Oh, and by the way, and remember your private, personal prayer life. That's a major cue to stay on course. Quite a lot of gems, words of wisdom. Now, in terms of family relation health services, where can we go to find information, get in touch with you? <laughs> where, can, where can you find family relation health services? Well, we are working now. We're, we've had a website that we've taken that down a long time. We're working on that. However, it's very easy. Everybody's on WhatsApp and there's an, a, an email so I can share that with you. Um, is, uh, uh, my, my email is very clearly carved. My email is heart bonding. Notice those two words, heart bonding, H-E-A-R-T-B-O-N-D-I-N-G, one word, don't separate, heart bonding at gmail.com. And we're on WhatsApp, which is 1-876-527-4605. And one more number I'll share is the same, one 876 327-7155. There are other connections, but you get in touch with me through that email or through those numbers. And they're, they're, they're active wherever around the world I can be contacted until we put up the website. We're actually publishing six books. We actually have six books on family relational health that I'm currently working on. Publishing supposed to start this year. By that time, our website would be up and all paraphernalia. But I can be reached through those means I mentioned. Brilliant. I must say thanks once more for taking the time out of your busy schedule to share with us. So once again, my listeners, we have been speaking with Dr. Anthony L. Gordon, counseling psychologist, certified family educator and practicing family relational health therapist. Uh, Dr. Gordon, just before you go, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Yes, my parting words is God's original family blueprint still stands today. Despite all the effort that the forces of evil have been making against God's original family blueprint, they still stand today. And, you know, my favorite three words in parting, what are they again? God honors sincerity. Be sincere and the Lord will honor you in his good time. God bless you. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in to The Upward Way. I hope you were blessed by this story today, this testimony. Do join us again next week as we will have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. You've been listening to The Upward Way Podcast the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.